Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noelle Cordeaux. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O for more information. Your adventure awaits. Yeah. I'm well. How are you? I'm well. You ready for another round of questions roulette? Yes. Okay. Man, you seem chipper this morning. I Well, it's 11 a.m. East Coast time. Oh, that's right. I just woke Nine. up. It's 8 a.m. Pacific. Oh, yeah. No, I already cleaned the house, worked out, did some work. Wow. You're making me feel like shit. All right. So uh, I get a lot of uh, – one of my favorite things to do is – answer questions on my Instagram stories and they expire after 24 hours. So there's a lot of questions I don't get to. And so I use Noel to help me answer your questions. Um, the first question is this, how do you not take things personally? Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. And common. I mean, yeah, I think that really, or at least I've learned in practice, goes back to mindfulness training mm. and understanding what a feeling feels like versus um, a fact. And if you have a feeling-based response to someone or something, let it exist, right? You know, yeah. let let it be and then let it pass. Yes. And so... Um, I love that. How do you let it pass? Do you, because sometimes our feelings can be overwhelming and then they end up drowning us. So how, yeah. do, we, how do we balance that? So a question that I found really helpful is to do a check-in and ask yourself, will this matter one year from now? Mm. And that really helps orient things to what's serious, what's not, what's fleeting, what's true. Um, if, if what you're experiencing right now won't matter one year from now, chances are you can let it go with certainty. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. And yeah. let me explain why that technique works. Is because when you, when you have a, a, a triggered response to something, it activates your limbic system, which is the part of your brain that stores emotions, both good and bad. And what you need in this scenario is to get your prefrontal cortex which is your logic center into the mix. And unfortunately, those two parts of the brain don't work at the same time. And so by asking the question, will this matter one year from now, uh, you're waking up your prefrontal cortex because there's almost a, kind of like a, a mathematical value to it. And mm. your prefrontal cortex says, oh my gosh, do we have to make a decision here? Right. And so you know, in that moment, you're able to switch out of your emotional brain and into your logical brain and give your logic center a chance to help you. Mm. I love that. Um, I love that, uh, that, that focus and that question um, that is it going to really matter a year from now. And I think that we drown in feelings because we're lost in the moment and in the trenches and everything seems very life or death. Like, you know, when we were in high school, everything was so life and death. Um, but then when we look back now at our high school days, the things that were so serious are almost laughable. And I think that that carries on as adults that, you know, things will pass and, and next year you look, you'll look back at whatever you're going through now and uh, realize that, you know, it didn't, it didn't ruin your life. Right. I mean, a hundred percent, five years ago I was in grad school and yeah. I obsessed over my grades, obsessed and I right. put myself through abject hell. Um, 
And then I left my graduate program and none of those grades matter. Yeah. I remember when I was getting my hours to be a therapist, that meant everything. And like everyone was obsessed about every hour and logging in their hours. And that was like the big race. And now looking back, it like, it doesn't, it didn't matter at all. You know, um, I like this idea also that, um, what other people think about you is none of your business. You know, mm. it's, a, it's a little cliche, but it, it's a good reminder that, you know, um, the stories that people have of you sometimes have to do more with their stories than yours, meaning, um, how someone takes you in, uh, you know, the, the things that trigger them about you, et cetera, uh, is tied to the stuff that they went through and their experiences. Um, it may not have a lot to do with you. Oh, a hundred percent projection city. Yeah, yeah. And first of all, if someone is sitting around ruminating about your life, they have way too much time on their hands. Um, yeah. and me personally, I like to give people things to talk about. Right. So, <laughs> you like to not be invisible. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I honestly, I've gotten to a point in my life where I could give a fuck, right. um, what other people think of me. But, you know, if you're showing up in the world, um, in an authentic way, um, make it interesting, right? Like give people something to talk about, make your mark. Like when you die, will people have remembered you? Yeah. Um, and you can always think about it that way. Like if people are, are thinking about you and they have something to say about you and they have opinions about you, either they have too much time on their hands or you are doing it right. Yes. And, uh, my last comment is if everyone likes you, I don't think anyone likes you. So if, so, mm -hmm. if people don't like you, it just means you have a voice. All right. My goal is to knock out five questions. That was the first question. My second question is uh, more of a relationship question. She writes 1.5 years in and a partner just found out he has a five-year-old. Stepkids oh. step were a deal breaker. Help. Wow. So what do you do when you're 1.5 years into a relationship and it seems like things are great and then your partner just found out he's got, he's got a five-year-old? I mean, that's when you dig deep, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that five-year-old is a precious life. And, um, you know, the relationship exists between the two partners and those things can all be mutually exclusive. Um, but man, I don't think there's a cookie cutter answer to that one. Yeah. I think it depends on how that changes your life and the relationship and, you know, um, you, you being okay with that, you know? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, also about evaluate the quality of the relationship. You know, the two year mark is typically where people start to figure out whether they're out or they're in, mm -hmm. uh, in a heterosexual relationship that often takes place because, uh, 18 to 24 months is the amount of time where your brain chemicals adhere to all of the new relationship stuff, like lowered serotonin, uh, warm and fuzzies, higher sex drive, because your bodies are trying to get pregnant. And so after 24 months, it's like, ah, eh, do I even really like this person? Right. Well, that's, that's actually, uh, this is a really great question too. So um, for people who are approaching the two-year mark or, or, you know, are 1.5 years in, um, and, and things are kind of becoming routine and a little bit stale. They're starting to you know, notice other people, et cetera. Um, you're saying a lot of this is nor normal and the way that we're wired. What do you do about that? How do you stay in it? How do you, do you just keep holding on until that, that wave passes? 
Well, I mean, humans are built to be serial monogamists, first yeah. of all. Um, I'm not monogamous, so, you know, that's my solution. Right. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you look at your life, you know, people who have children, most kids are born two years apart. Mm -hmm. for a very good reason. So a lot of our um, life reflects this. Marriages, typically, if they're going to end, last only two years. Um, so these patterns are, are very prevalent in our life. And the, the good part about being human in today's world is that we have biological drives, but we can overcome them. And so you need to be real about the fact that your partner may not be able to meet every single last one of your needs, and that's okay. How can you take care of your own self and your own life to make sure that you're out there doing interesting things and not reliant on a partner to provide them for you? Yeah. And I just, you know, I just did an episode about um, redefining beauty, and I think um, one of the things you can do is start to find and discover, explore, redefine beauty in the relationship and your partner um, so it doesn't just feel one note, you know? Mm-hmm. So. 100%. 100%. And, and trying new things together. Yeah. You know, you can simulate a lot of those uh, chemicals by trying new things independently and together as a couple. Yeah, um, I think so many people, because of routine and the same stuff um, day in and day out, that their relationship start, starts to just wilt. And that's partly it's not because of the relationship itself. It's because you guys are just doing the same things over and over. It's the same, <laughs> eating the same flavor of ice cream every day. You know what else really helps is consistent check-ins and reorientation towards mutual life goals. Mm. Like, what, like what's important with each other and wow. what, what or, or the the applied positive psychology intervention I'm thinking about is future visioning. Right. So to sit with your partner and just do a check in. Okay, it's been six months, it's been four months, it's been eight months, it's been two years. Let's sit and dream together about what we want life to look like five years from now so that we know and understand each other's dreams and we can kind of refocus the compass on our mutual life satisfaction. Mm. Yeah, I love that one. All right, this one is going to make you very angry. A boyfriend with primitive beliefs like quote unquote women should respect husbands, uh, what what to do? <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Okay. I, I respect my husband. Sure. I respect the hell out of him, you know? Um <laughs> Why do you think that would make me mad? I don't know. It seemed it seemed very kind of um, um, old-fashioned, like, you know, um, just because, you know, it, it seems like, it, and I could be reading it wrong, but it seems like um, controlling, old-fashioned, you know, um, respect your women, make my food, that kind of thing. But Well, the key word there is primitive, right? So if, right. if someone said, you know, I have a belief that I should respect my husband, I'd say, that's awesome. Your husband deserves respect. Sure. sure. Um, if, if, the, if the key word is primitive, I'd want to know what kinds of qualifications come with that. Uh, some people like that kind of gender role dynamic. And it's not just in binary male-female relationships, you know? Right. Some people, there's, there's a certain level of comfort, satisfaction, uh, even kink in different 
ways of expressing gender roles. So, yeah, you know, my sex therapist brain kicks on and I'm like, is this a sex thing? Is this a life thing? Is this a dominance thing? What are we really talking about here? You know, like, where is this coming from? How does it manifest? If someone's saying this is a primitive belief, perhaps they don't hold it. You know, if two people are going into a relationship and one says, you know, for example, if my husband came home and said to me, where's my dinner, bitch, make my food. How do you think that would go? (laughs) Like, yeah, of course. So, so it depends on what you define. I mean, what, what exactly do you mean by primitive? Um, I agree with Noel that, that, um, women should respect husbands and husbands should respect wives. I think respect in a relationship is definitely one of the legs without it. Then you just, you know, have something very messy. Um, so respect is, is actually important, but what is the primitive part? You know, is he uh, yell, telling you to make his dinner or is he demanding, you know, sexual favor? What is he doing that doesn't uh, work for you? You know, at the end of the day, I think it's, it, whatever doesn't work for you doesn't, doesn't work for you, you know? Right, right. And, and I also really want to clarify that if it does work for you, that's totally fine. Right, right. Just because it, it doesn't work for other people doesn't mean that it's wrong. Exactly. If, if you are a man or a woman or you're, you don't define your gender that way and you love being home and you love being a homemaker and you love taking care of your partner and you want to build your life that way, go do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you just mentioned kink. I, I have a, a friend who likes you know, to be thrown in the closet and, and slapped around and all that. And other women would think that that is, um, you know, there's something wrong with her or that's, you know, the husband or boyfriend being, you know, uh, abusive. But that, if that works for her and that's what she likes, you know, in the role playing, then that's, that's her life and that's what she likes. Yeah, there's a, a really great uh, saying, don't yuck my yum. Mm. I like that. It's, um, sounds like a bumper sticker. Yep. It could be could be a bumper sticker. <laughs> All right. Another one. Um, how do single people meet when they're in their fifties? It's so hard. Uh, you know, I don't know that it's so hard. I mean, okay. I, I am not in my fifties and I am not single, right. but I've done a ton of relationship coaching with finding and sourcing new relationships. And I think that in order to be successful in meeting someone, you have to check your preconceived notions about what you want another person to be at the door. Mm. That's step one. Right. Because if you're, if you're going out there with a checklist and you're going to meet people and you're going to try to measure them to your ideal, they're human, they're complex, they're deep, especially in your 50s, you're going to be fully formed. You're going to have a life. You're going to have an occupation. You may have children. You're going to have past relationships everybody's going to be really super complex at this stage of the game. So it's not going to be like when you're in your 20s and you meet someone and you have the warm fuzzies and their risk-taking behaviors happen and you're obsessed with each other. It's going to be a little bit more of a dance, which I actually find really beautiful as I'm aging. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell all my relationship clients, you need to shop online and in the store. So be looking for connection everywhere and be open to non-traditional ways of meeting people. Maybe a, a cruise that's based on everybody's mutual interests. Like I've been eyeing this thing called jam cruise. It's for crazy hippies like me, all mm-hmm. jam music, a cruise. Awesome. Right. right. Uh, go to meetups, 
go to book readings, find something that you like to do with your time and then find others who enjoy it as well. Um, so many people out there are looking for partners and you have to be open and signal that you are looking for a partner. Yes. Um, I believe in uh, communities. I believe in retreats. I, I think a lot of people complain about how hard it is to meet people these days and the disconnect because of the internet and all that, which I get. But instead of complaining, um, you know, the, the, it's all about communities now. So whether it's fitness or, you know, um, something that's in wellness um, or your passion, art, whatever, uh, go find a community. They're everywhere. And you, it's, it's very plug and play like that. Yep. A hundred percent. What's the craziest thing you've ever done to try to attract a mate? Um, the craziest thing I, I would, I, um, I, I would say just, I, I went on a spree of swiping. I, I, I mean, it's not that crazy because it's kind of the norm now, but I think for someone my age who grew up with pagers, um, the, the, just swiping and meeting people. Oh, you know, the, the craziest thing was the mindset. So I, I decided that uh, uh, layers over the, um, over, uh, you know, the, the lightning in the bottle. And I told myself, I'm going to have no types. So I'm just going to meet anyone, even if I'm not that attracted to their profile or whatever, just meet them if they're willing to meet for coffee conversation. Um, so for about eight months, I went on this crazy kind of like, um, meet and greet uh dating spree i think i was hanging out with you during this period of time yeah and it was just uh you know and and i, I would meet people that would they would show up and i would have no interest in them uh romantically but i would actually sit down and have a conversation and it was always it was a good experience and I, it helped me like take off the pressure of like finding quote unquote the one that the world yeah. lives with you know so um not that crazy but the mindset is a little bit crazy and by crazy i mean um rare <laughs> meaning no one does that you know what I did? That was a terrible idea. What did you I, do? Um, I went to a concert and the band was a band that like attracts mostly dudes, right? And mm. we're all getting older. And I wore a t-shirt that says single likes good beer. Oh, I love that. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Except I hate being hit on. And then I was like, oh, this is the worst idea ever. And I didn't right. have a backup t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Who? Where did you get that t-shirt? Someone buy it? I need it. Oh, that's hilarious. Didn't you go, I mean, I guess this was Halloween, but you went somewhere with the egg costume or some kind of costume to a concert once too, but that might I be wear, easier because you're like hiding inside the costume. I wear an egg costume every year for Halloween. So oh, I've okay. been to, I mean, I, I mean, Christ, the egg costume has been at Halloween cost, concerts since 2008. Right. <laughs> All right. Last question. We're going to get this in before, um, in about two minutes. How This is actually a hard question and, and probably the one that everyone could relate to. How to get over the fear of failure? Oh, well, you know what? There's no such thing as failure. It's just data. Yeah. But uh, people don't believe that. No, that's they don't hard. believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's hard. I, I think that fear of failure is a good driver at some point because it, it allows you to dig down for grit, but you really need to know when to fold. And that's the difference is... Yeah. If, if you look at the, the course of your life, you can change course at any time. To, to make a decision to do something or not to do something, they're equally legitimate decisions. And you're going to die, right? So what are you doing with your time? And if you know you can change course at any time, why not try? 
Yeah, I love the idea that nothing is permanent, and that includes failure. And so um, it's information, it's growth. You know, a lot of the failures in my life had to happen for me to create something um, that was meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. So some, sometimes failures are the stepping stones, you know. I'll give you a great example. So this week I kind of had an existential crisis and I went through this whole crazy ordeal with myself and our business. Can I really do this? You know, can I take it to the next level? Am I the right person for the job? Do I even want to do this? And in my insane flurry, I checked out what it would be like to re-enroll in my doctorate program. Mm. And I discovered that I can do it in about 48 hours. If I choose at any time, I can stop being a CEO and I can go back to being a doctor. Can you, and then you mean continue where you left off? Yeah. And it it got continued right where I left off. And for me, that was so freeing. Yeah, of course. Because, and I called my dad and I talked to him about it and he encouraged me to keep going, which I'm going to do. But, you know, just knowing that you can change course at any time. And that's, yeah. and think about that scenario. Would you call me or should I call myself? Or do you think anyone from the outside looking in would say, Gina, Noel, well, you know, you decided you gave it two years and you decided not to be a CEO and you're going back to being a doctor right. failure. <laughs> right. No, the, no. Yeah, of course. Um, right? it's, like, it's all about perspective. Yeah, and also living with the with the uh, with no regrets and knowing that you actually went and tasted something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, we really uh, kicked the doors down. We knocked out five questions. I'm proud of us, and um, I think we did a good job. Indeed, <laughs> we did not fail. <laughs> we did not fail. Not All failure. right, thank you guys. Keep asking your questions, and Noel and I will keep answering them. Be well. Have a great one, dude. Yeah.